<clears throat> Little did Didi Palmer know that when he liberated that innate spark in Harvey Lillard, which restored his hearing, he was to stir up a hornet's nest as to the righteousness of that principle within his own family of followers, nor did he understand the breadth, length, and depth of how or why he was to originate a new premise in the world of man's philosophies, sciences, and arts of abstract, distant, yet so near universal God, in which millions placed their hopes, aspirations, and by so doing made the God of the universe a living, real, tangible God and man, which flowed downward in man, worked in man, which was no longer a hoped-for ideal, but became a workable, practical, actual, and realistic knowledge, which could be dependent upon to re reproduce life, perpetuate life, and prolong life, if, as, and when people got sick. <clears throat> so that's from B.J. Palmer's Glory of Going On, written in 1961. And the reason I chose that as a selection today is because I had a very profound experience yesterday in the practice. And it really is, is profound in a simple way, uh, because it's profound because it happens all the time. So this uh, very nice uh, family came into the office yesterday. And uh, it was a mother with several children. And one of the children was a boy. And the boy was eight years old. And he had a very serious brachial plexus injury at birth. And I see those all the time. Usually, uh, I, I see them when they're a lot younger. Usually, I see them when they're like, like you know, a couple months or a year old or whatever. Uh, I don't generally see them when they're eight, you know, ish years old. So, the intern goes in and she does the history, and then she comes out. And I said, um, you know, are you watching this this kid and noticing differences? And she said, well, you know, the only thing that I, I notice is that he kind of holds his hand a lot like this. And I said, okay. Well, I said, now when you go in there, do the initial exam, because I always do like the advanced stuff. So do the initial exam. And then when you do the initial part of the exam, what I want you to do is include a shoulder range of motion, right? Just to see how the arm is doing. So she does the shoulder, she goes back in, I'm um, adjusting and adjusting and adjusting. And then she comes back out and we talk and she uh, said, so how's his shoulder range of motion? And she said, well, I didn't realize it, but the reason he was holding his hand is because he really almost can't move it. This was his range of motion. Right? This is as far as he could go. Ten years old, eight years old, and can't move his arm past that point. I'm like, holy cow, that's really that's much worse than I was expecting based upon what she was saying before. Because I didn't see the person walk in. <clears throat> I was in with another new patient. So I go in myself. And one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to do more of the neurological stuff and the eyes and kind of do you know, the higher level stuff. And... Um, so I'm talking to this person, and the person is just very bright, very articulate, really good kid. You can just see just you know, goodness in this person. But you can see that there's a pain in this person, too. And I'm looking, and I'm trying not to be obvious, but I'm, I'm just, I absolutely am noticing that he's holding his hand you know, like this, kind of covering it up. Uh, and we started doing range of motion tests, and it was just unbelievable how little range of motion this person had. So I said, what have you been doing for this over the course of time, talking to the mom and to the child? Well, you know, we had three surgeries. Great. Uh, they work well. Um, and uh, I said, okay. And what about like therapy, at-home exercises? Well, we have this putty we're supposed to squeeze a little bit here and there. Okay. And I said, uh, so I, I 
took out my hand like this, actually it was this hand, uh, and I said, squeeze my hand. They couldn't. I said, okay, I picked up, we have toys in every room. I said, I picked up a small toy like this. I said, hold it in your hand and hardly can get their hand open or closed. So I said, and, and I'm, I'm, one thing you have to learn as you're a chiropractor, um, especially as you're now going into clinic and stuff, is you have to learn game face. Game face, right? Many of you probably played sports, you know, or maybe were in gymnastics or dance. So no matter what the hell's happening, you got game face on, right? There's always smiles and, you know, no expression of a, like, you're not going, like, in my mind, I'm going, oh my God, right? But I'm not going to show that, right? Because there's no reason for them to see that, you know, coming out of me. So I'm going, okay, okay. Uh, so I, I start doing some printed reflex work on this person, and we start doing some dermatone work and other kind of, you know, things, and no feeling in this hand, and the primitive reflexes are positive over here. And all, I mean, just the, the eyes not working very well, and mom's like, oh yeah, by the way, she's got all these reading, uh, he's got all these reading problems and stuff. So uh, over and over, like one thing, now it's just start piling up, right? So it's not just the brachial plexus injury, right? It's the brachial plexus injury plus the eyes, plus this, plus this, plus this, is all these things are piling up, right? And <clears throat> the, the mom's like, I'm sorry, this correlation, I don't get the correlation. I said, the brain. Didn't anybody talk to you about the brain? And the neurology of how this is all working, how it's all connected? If this arm, if you're not using this arm, do you think that's gonna affect nothing but the arm? Right, that's what I'm saying to my brain, right? In my head, right? right? But, but that's what, you know, when the surgeon's like, I'm just cutting this arm over here, I'm not thinking that there's any connection between the head over here. Like, how is that, it's like, ooh, how is that possible? And I said, are you, so you're not doing any regular exercises? No. I, what are you doing to strengthen this arm? Nothing. What? In my mind, like, right, game face. Oh, okay. Let's write that down. But in my mind, I'm going, what? Right? And by the time I'm done, the mom has tears in her eyes saying, I wish I had done this sooner. I wish I had known this sooner. And I said, but thank God you're here now. Right? We can't change what should have. We, we talked about this, right? Should have, should have, should have. Don't should all over yourself, right? We, we can't should, do, should have done something. Nobody can should have done, right? We have no time machine to go backwards, right? I said, but you're here now, right? I said, thank God you're here now, because if you're here now, now we can make changes, right? Now we can make changes, because there's infinite possibilities, right? There's something called neuroplasticity, right? Neuroplasticity, so the, the body has a chance to reroute and, and change things. Because right now, this person wakes up every single morning, knows that this is what I am, and this is what my arm does, and this is what my eyes do, and this is what my brain is, and that's it. And there's no change in possibilities, because if there's no input change, then there'll be no output change. And this is not rocket science, right? I'm not speaking about something that only you and Einstein would understand, right? This is, lo this is simple logic. And she's got tears in her eyes coming up. I should have done this before, right? And that, you know how profound that is to, to hear a mom say that about her kid? I should have done this before. I should have, I, if I brought her in a lot, I said, well, th that might be true, but you didn't. So let's start today, right? 
Let's start today. I'm so glad you're here because the changes that can be made are profound. The changes that are unbelievable, you know, because there's universal God in that person, right? That person's got all this power, but, but it's untapped, right? It's like if we had, <coughs> if there was, was <coughs> underneath this, this room here, <coughs> there were diamonds. It was a diamond mine, right? If we never go down there and get to the diamonds, then we don't have the riches that are down there. But we got to dig. You got to do some work, right? You got to do some work to get to the diamonds. And that goes for you guys too. This is about work, right? This isn't about loafing and sitting on your rear ends and doing nothing. This is about work, right? And the problem is, is that the, the medical community looks at something so compartmentalized that they forget to tell the patients what you got to do when you get home is work. And the more severe the problem, guess what you got to do? More work. That's just how it is in this world. Well, we shouldn't have had this brachial plexus injury. Well, you're right. You're right. But it happened. So go to work. Right? So the intern comes out with me. She's, you can see, definitely influenced by this too. And she says, I'm so glad I'm here because it reminds me of my why. Right? It reminds me of my why. Why am I doing this? Why am I I'm working so hard and taking national boards next week, right? Because isn't it next week or two weeks or something like that, right? Is it next week or two weeks? It's next week, yeah. Anyway, soon, right? Why do, why do they take OSCEs? You know, why do we do all these hard things? This is why. Because we have a chance to turn this kid around, right? This kid's life will never be the same. If they do what we tell them to do, there is no doubt in my mind, I speak with complete authority, there's no doubt in my mind, this person's life will be a complete change. You measure her one year, five years, ten years down the road, completely different than if this person did the same thing that they're doing up till today. There's no doubt in my mind. Because you change the input, you change the output. It's as simple as that. Right? That was one of B.J. Palmer's famous, famous things. It is as simple as that. Right? But it's our responsibility to get out there and change it. Right? It's our responsibility to teach them. Right? My adjustments are going to be very important to this per young person. But you know what's going to be more important is teaching them, teaching them to believe in themselves, teaching them to believe in their body, teaching them to do the work, that the work is worth it, right? Dr. Sid had a great saying. I know none of you guys probably ever had a chance to meet Dr. Sid. He was an amazing person. He used to say, work is fun. I love to work. And he used to make us chant that at seminar. Work is fun. I love to work. Work is fun. I love to work. Why? And people are like, What? Work is not fun. Like work, you, you, when I'm at work, work is fun, and I love to work, right? Now, when my dad went to work, he hated work, right? He hated it for 20s, 30 some odd years. He hated it. <coughs> had ulcers because of it. Had all the kinds of heart problems and other kind of issues because of it. He hated his work. That's true, right? But I love my work, right? I don't go to work. I go play, right? I go to play with the kids. I go, I, ca I can't wait to see what is going to be brought to me. I can't, I'm excited. I'm like, what is God going to give me today? Right? 
What is, what is he going to bring in to my office? What weird, crazy, difficult challenge am I going to have to wrap my brain around, right, when that person comes in today? I love it. Bring it, right? That term, bring it, they use it for exercise. I talk about the tough cases. Bring it on. Bring me the tough cases. Bring me the hardest ones, right? I'm up for the challenge because that excites me, right? And that's what I want you guys to get out of what I'm saying here, right? Is that, that we can do, we have unbelievable capacity to help people change. Unbelievable capacity. We just have to reach them, right? Your job in clinic, let me tell you what your job is in clinic. It is not just to take over the people that the upperclassmen passed down, right? That's baloney. If that's all you're doing, you're doing nothing. You're being an automaton, you're being a robot. Your job is get out there and meet the people and embarrass the heck out of yourselves now when it doesn't matter. When it doesn't matter because you don't have the, the, the staff to pay and the rent to pay and the overhead to pay and all that other kind of stuff. Embarrass the hell out of yourself now, right? Go out there and meet people and shake their hands and talk about chiropractic now when it doesn't matter, when all it is is an extra number or two, right? Do it now so that you train yourselves to understand how to talk to people. Because in the beginning, you're going to be fumbling over your words and stumbling and saying stupid stuff and, and talking too much science and, not, and all these big, long words that people don't understand and stuff. And that's fine, but do it now so that when you graduate, you got the confidence. Right? So many of you are, are, are just squeaking by in clinic. I'm like, what is the point of that? This is not about getting, I, I, just, I just need to skip by, I just want to get through. No, this is about getting from. What are you getting from the clinical experience? It's not about getting through it, right? Do you see the difference? Getting through it means I'm just walking. And, and you know, I just walk through the end of the quarter and adjust a couple people every day. All right, yeah, so I'm almost done with my numbers now. Right? Who the hell cares? What a waste of bloody time that was. Right? Work. This is about work. Work is fun. I love to work. This is, about, this is about embarrassing yourself. This is about getting out of your comfort zones. You want a successful practice? Get the hell out of your comfort zone. And do it now, right? Do it now when you guys are young and you guys, your minds are fertile. Go out there and, and talk to talk. And people want, here's the thing, guys. They don't want to hear the mumbo jumbo back pain, neck pain stuff. They don't give a flying hoot about that. What they want is the real stuff. They want to hear words like neuroplasticity. I, I was just speaking to another patient who brought her little daughter in, and we are talking about the polyvagal theory, right? Which is, I, I did a podcast on a while ago in an article recently. This is what people are wanting to talk about. They don't want to talk about hard bone, soft nerve. That's done, right? That's passe. That is done. They want to talk on a whole different level. These people are coming in with research. These people are coming in saying, I know who you are. I, said, how did, I always say, how did you find us? I know who you are, this mom said. Really? She said, yeah, I read your article about the polyvagal theory and autism. I looked at some of the research you've been doing. I realize you teach at Life University. I realize you teach for ICPA. I see all this kind of stuff. That's the person I want with my kid. Oh, wow. Like people used to just come in because of a referral, right? And that's another common thing too. But now they're coming in knowing who the hell you are. And let me tell you something about knowing who the hell you are. Watch out what you're saying on Facebook. They're looking at you. They are looking at you. You are leaving a trail. Before we make a hiring decision, what do we do? Whether it's an intern, or it's a staff person, or a massage therapist, 
What do I do? I look at them on Facebook. And if I don't like what I see, they ain't getting called back. If I see F-bomb this and F-bomb that and drinking, drugging, da-da-da, forget it. This person is not in my office because now they are representing what we represent. And I'm telling you, patience, look. So if you have something on your Facebook and you, start, and you're, you realize that your stream of consciousness on Facebook is like F-bomb this and this jerk and, and look at how, what party I'm at here. And that, I suggest you can't delete it. I know, I understand that. I suggest you just stop. So by the time you graduate and we, people start looking back a little bit, they don't find that anymore, right? Because Facebook is a trail. It's like a trail of breadcrumbs. And what do you want people to see, right? You want people to see all this profanity and all this, this junk and all this, this negative, nasty stuff? Or you want people to see posting about chiropractic? I, 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 so, oh, you look at all my interns, and what do they post about? Chiropractic this and chiropractic this and chiropractic this and chiropractic this, right? And all my staff, you look at my staffs, and it's, here's my kids, and here's my family, and here's my husband, and that's what I want to see, right? I want to see them to be a family person or a chiropractic person, right? So think about that when you guys are posting and reacting to things on Facebook and stuff. I suggest to stop your reactions. Stop your knee-jerk reactions. And, oh, I have to say, put my little two, two cents in this conversation. And blah, 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 right? Start thinking about it because people are watching, right? People are looking at you. And they're making decisions that maybe you're, you're a really great chiropractor, maybe you're a really great person, but you said some stupid stuff on Facebook two years ago, and they're not going to come, right? Because they're looking. Right? You look at my Facebook, you go on my Facebook account, all you see is chiropractic, 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 chiropractic. Right? So I stand for one thing, right? And people see that. I stand for one thing, and that's chiropractic, and especially kids, right? So what do you stand for? Right? Are you, really, are you willing to do the work? Are you ready to do some work? Right? Good. Good. Three people you are. Huh? Good, good to hear. <laughs>